All right. Good morning, everybody. This is Nathaniel Quinn, the producing director of Wolverine Theatrics and the Wolverine Reads podcast. Today, I am joined with uh, playwright Colin I. Hood, who has written Water Cooler Talk, uh, which is our the last uh, play that you just listened to. So, Colin, thank you so much for joining us this morning to, to visit and talk about your work and yourself as a playwright. If you could help us out a little bit, introduce yourself. Who are you? What is your background in playwriting? Why playwriting? And maybe one boring thing about yourself. Um, yeah, so I'm a, uh, right now I'm studying music theater at Colorado Mesa University. Uh, I kind of got into playwriting just because I've always been really interested in like storytelling, which is what attracted me to theater to begin with. But like some of those like original stories that really come out of um, playwriting is just so incredibly amazing to me. I grew up writing a lot. Like I was one of those kids in school in elementary school where the teacher would be like, here's the minimum you can write for this assignment. And I'd be like, is there a maximum? Like, <laughs> like how, how much can I write? And she'd be like, well, I guess 10 pages. And I'd hit 10 pages and be like, can I do 12? Like that kind of thing. <laughs> and and uh, I kind of stopped writing um, after elementary school. I picked up a lot of other interests. Obviously I got into theater um, around then, started acting and being part of that. Um, and had, I didn't really like like write stories as much after that, but um, I took an elective class um, at CMU uh, in playwriting, obviously, mm -hmm. and like just loved it so much. Like I hadn't like sat down and like written my own original stories in so long. And at that point, I'd been like I'd done a lot of improv and whatnot, but otherwise, like I had it like really sat down and wrote something and I just fell in love with it and I just kept, I couldn't stop doing after the class ended um I kind of like would check in with the professor every so often like hey can you look at this script can you look at this script and um and like she would like give me some feedback here and there but like for the most part I just like kind of dove in on my own started like reading books about it started just going like sure everywhere with it and couldn't stop writing so I I've, and I've loved it ever since I've, I've just been writing all the time excellent um, and a boring thing about me yeah I've, <laughs> I guess the most boring thing right now is that I've been in this in my little my little hometown since I was like three or two now and that is just so long to be stuck in one place <laughs> for sure. um and so that's probably the most boring thing so you started you're studying musical theater how does that do you do you have this do you have any aspirations to write a musical or is that like you look at that and go, I just want the libretto. I want the score. I want any of these things where I just, I don't want to write for this. I enjoy performing in it, but I want to stick to straight plays. What's the, what's the big connection there for you? Uh, yeah, I'm very interested in writing a musical someday. I, I am not, uh, I, I've, I've dabbled in composing and I like it a lot, but I, I, I am not as good as, at it as I want to be. And it just takes practice, of course. But I definitely made like a really lot of really good connections. One of my best friends from CMU is he's a good he's a good composer. He's really into that. He's music theory is like his cup of tea for sure. And um and so like I mean, like he he's he's out in a uh he was in New York for a while, but he's back in Colorado. I don't remember where. Um, but he is. I, I want to. We've been like talking about doing a project together sometime. Uh, like me writing the libretto and him writing the score. Like we've we've kind of like messed around sometimes sure. writing like a little thing here or there, um, but never really like came to production by any means. 
Um, so we really just got to sit down and write something one day. But <laughs> yeah, I, I grew up like just like I love dancing. I grew, I loved acting. I love singing. And so musical theater just like got me into like into the theater program. And um, I still love all that stuff. But like as soon as I picked up playwriting, like I'm like, this might be what I do. I might do the rest <laughs> of the time. I might just keep writing. Sure. <laughs> Sure. Well, I think that's that's one of those things that those of us in the theater world understand. You got to be a jack of all trades if you want to get anywhere. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, any of us that do we write or we direct or we design, we have to have all of those different things in there. It's not it's not quite as easy uh, as I'm sure, you know, to to get your foot in the door as a playwright or as a director, or as a designer, as it is to just mm-hmm. audition, 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 audition. And hey, ta-da. yeah, absolutely. I um, I've also found it's just like the like not do to do as many things as like I do like I like I also have dabbled in like sound production sound Mm -hmm. design and like I I like just helping out around at the school it's just incredibly humbling to like branch out and do other things that you might not be as good at like I we I, I know we talked about it at my school a lot where like those people that like they could belt and they could sing like crazy and they're so good and they get cast all the time but like, if they don't pick up like a, if they don't pick up a drill in set construction, there's something about them that's always like, like you, you're good at that. You're really good at that. But like, where's the humility in like doing something you're not sure. As good? <laughs> sure. Well, I hear you because that's one. That's an argument that I hear back and forth on a lot. I know a couple of directors that I have worked with, uh, whether you know in different capacities, that they're very much like, this is my track path. I have intentionally not done these things because I don't get paid to do those things. So I don't like we're a team together. I trust that you're going to make this happen. And it's funny because I look at a lot of people, directors, designers, whatever, actors, whatever that have that, that mentality. And I look at it and go, there's, there's definitely an age difference. There's definitely, I could tell where you were and when the theater world, when you developed this opinion. So tell us a little bit about, so we, we have you, we have Colin, uh, musical theater guy that stumbled into playwriting, thoroughly loves it, connected uh, childhood Colin to current time, present day Colin. So tell us a little bit about your process. If that's something, because you didn't, you wrote stories as a younger, uh, as a child, as a younger kid, and now you're here writing plays, but it wasn't like the whole playwright process. It was a new discovery, if I'm understanding correctly. So what does your process yeah. look like then? If there's not that this is, you do this to get this, to get this, it sounds like you have a little bit more uh, of a roundabout fun and exciting way. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know that uh, just like having like an actor background, I also dabbled a lot in improv and improvisation. And so a lot of my plays kind of stemmed like, if not directly from like a scene I did with friends at my improv club or something like that, like come from this like more conversational, like something that could happen in an improv scene um in terms of like like just like the way it flows obviously like I really like writing comedy and that's where a lot of improv comes in handy where like I think water cooler talk could like naturally happen in an improv situation um like given the right like (laughs) given the right character choices and given the right um like um those given choices that it, it could it could happen just like spontaneously so I think that like I, I try to capture in my writing that kind of spontaneity that comes from um, comes from improv, uh, especially in more comedic pieces. Uh, but like I, um, I in improv, uh, I, I have, I'm in an improv club, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, we we would do like more serious pieces when when just for fun, just like to get it out. We've had this game we called Hecklers, where like the the point was to do a dramatic scene, and then there is another group of people that are making fun of you the whole time. Sure. And um and like even in that case, like even writing a dramatic scene using those improv skills that were developed from there is is just as easy um and just as interesting, I think, uh, because is if you're a good improviser. You know all about world building. You know mm-hmm. all about storytelling. You know mm-hmm. about how dialogue is going to sound and how it's going to be natural. You're making big character choices, and like those are things that should be relevant in a play as well, and should come out at least in the in the um, main cast uh, for sure. And so that's where a lot of that comes in. Part of my process is like almost being like, how would this work if I were improving? I there've been times sure. I, I know a lot of for people sure. say they commit fully to just like doing this, but I, I couldn't, I feel kind of silly, but there've been times that I've been like, I don't know where to go next. And I'd kind of improv to myself back and forth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like if I were this character, I'd say blah, blah, blah. If I were this character, I'd say blah, blah, blah. Like, and um, which is it, like, it, it's not for me all the time, but there've been times I've written myself out of a hole um, by doing that. And so that's a lot of my uh, process is just like kind of using that information from improvisation to uh, get there. And uh, mainly, I think what where I'm trying to get to, I think that's really important too, is like not just like where where how you get there, but where you're mm-hmm. going. And um, part of my, I guess, mission with a lot of the stuff I create is that I want to like shake people. I kind of want to like affect them viscerally. Sure. And um, one of my favorite parts about comedy is like I feel like there's at least for me, I am a high laugh. It's, it's so stupid. I don't like my laugh at all, but like I will go full body and like throw myself back and just like lose it sometimes if something's funny enough. And that like, there's just something that isn't as physical about any other like reaction to something, which is why I find comedy so inspiring, um, especially if it's making the right messages. Uh, oh, yeah. Just like that, that truly deep visceral connection that you have with your body and what you're hearing and what you're taking in um makes it you just i feel like you're so receptive when you're having a good time and when you're oh yeah um, when you're laughing for sure and so i i want i want to like shake people in that way um and like really and really get to them so that they can take in what i'm saying take in everything that i'm saying and like consider it more than if they were if then seeing the negative consequences of something and and something a little more on the dramatic side like i said i i like some drama but for the most part writing comedy is really my um i think there's I think there's something very, very uh, uh, evocative about thinking about comedy that way. Let me get you to laugh to let your guard down so that you're suddenly hit with these other elements is, is a fantastic yep, exactly. way to, to blend those two worlds together. And I hadn't, I'm sure at some point I put that together, but I hadn't thought about it as, as clearly for that. Thank you. Um, so I got a question coming out of this with a background in improv, because I don't know, I don't know too many playwrights that, that that's where their background comes from. And that's how they draw from their dialogue. Do you prefer, prefer, and I'm, I, there's a specific reason for this question. Do you, do you, are you drawn more to short form or long form improv? Um, I am a big fan of long form improv. Uh, for the most part, especially in my, the club, I did a lot of my, practice in uh we we did a lot of like short form just to start just to learn just to learn some of the yeah. basics but every every session every every meeting we'd end with like a good half hour of long form improv 
And, um, and that was like the most thrilling part of the meetings for me. I love like being able to like craft like a whole story that like has a full through line. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Punchlines don't really come until like a little bit after and like doing really fun callbacks. That, that's, that's one of my favorite parts about um, improv. I think long form, if I could just do long form, I would have a good time. <laughs> well, and I think I asked that I have, I have an appreciation for improv. Don't, don't mistake me at all. I, I gravitate towards long form myself. I'm not very good at it. I'm not very practiced at it. Let me, I, um, but I think so many people look and think improv and immediately think like, whose line is it anyway, which has its time and its place and it is important and it's allowed to be silly and quick, but we definitely feel, or at least I do in the writing of water cooler talk, this, it's not a long winding story. It has clear A to B to C to D and we get there, but it definitely has this longer structure to it that feels a little, it's, it's, concisely loosey-goosey does that make sense i don't yeah. and i hope it doesn't sound insulting because that's not like there's this wonderful cadence to it that i think if it was written strictly following these are the rules of writing of playwright you know whatever those those rules mm -hmm. that a lot of people prescribe to or may prescribe to or assume that i'm talking about that this wouldn't be as as silly and structurally off the rails as it is yeah, no, I, I totally, I totally agree with that. I think part of it is that it's one of my first, um, I've had a lot of longer plays. Um, I kind of started out my playwriting class was strictly 10 minute plays, mm -hmm. um, which is like cool. And, but like, I think it kind of relates a little bit to like that short form improv kind of situation where it's gotta be a little quicker. This was one of my uh, first completed longer plays that was over an hour or it should be about an hour. Uh, and and it's, to me, it's it's just, I was trying to draw from a lot of different things. Um, sure. Part of it was that improv idea. I was also, when I started writing it, I was in a class, uh, just like a like a basic a basic uh, theater class I was taking because mm -hmm. I needed an extra elective credit and was like, I'll just take this. <laughs> and uh, when I started it, we were talking about uh, the Greek unities. And, um, and I was like, oh yeah, that's like a really easy way to write a play is to like think about like being taking place within 24 hours. Mm -hmm. uh, taking place um, in the same place. Like, and I think I kind of, I like to take a little bit um, of going from one water cooler to the other, where it's a little like, you know, playing a little tight and loose with the, with the unities. But um, I think it's, I think it still like kind of did what I was trying to do and just like structuring a story, then kind of relying on those ideas that I'd learned in my class. I hadn't really thought about using that for like a modern play. It was more like a, um, like a way I viewed older plays, but like, mm -hmm. I was like, wait, that's a great idea. Like <laughs> they, the Greeks kind of knew what they were talking about, I guess. Ah, must be a reason we're still talking about them 2,000 yeah, really. years later. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> well, no, that was one. So that's one of the things that I look at. I try to watch for, it's not a hard, you know, it's not a must as I'm looking at, at, for, at plays for, for Wolverine Reads, but that makes our job in an audio format so much easier to go, okay, it's one setting. All right, we're over the course of one day. Okay, that makes for some tougher, tougher breaks. But the way you've written with in the scene, the scene breakdown that you have is like, okay, now I have clean breaks for where I'm putting in. Here's a stop for this episode and a start for the next episode. Um, there's a couple of plays that we did early on that span. An, it's a soft time frame which made finding some of those breaks a little tougher. Like, where does this make sense? What's the time break? How do we want to establish this? So, those darn unities. 
So we've, we've, we've touched on this a little bit. What inspires you as a playwright? What do you find um, inspiring in, in, in stories or, or storytelling or just writing in general? Right. Uh, yeah, I'm drawn to uh, a lot of uh, comedic work, of course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so I think a lot, of my, a lot of my work is inspired by like just trying to have a good time, uh, just trying to be a little more on the comedic side. And, um, or at least like lighthearted. I, sure. I've written some stuff that wasn't quite comedic, but it was lighthearted. And, um, and I, I also find myself writing a lot of uh, like things about love, uh, like all different kinds of love, whether mm -hmm. it's familial or like romantic or platonic. Um, I think this does a really good, this particular play does a good job at like kind of capturing what like a developing platonic love as well as like a developing more romantic or sexual sure. love. Um, that would like that I think does like a good job at developing both those things because I, I don't like to leave it in one place I think that there's like a different lot of different kinds of love <laughs> and, uh, and there's a lot of different ways to do it and just like trying to touch on each of those I think is really good um, and also I and I try to get there a little bit in this particular play um, but I also just like take a lot of inspiration from um, like just like kind of writers that want to invoke some sort of social change I, I point out, like, I think part of this play was I wanted to point out the culture around uh, water coolers and, like, and, like, this idea that, like, you go there to socialize and you go there to, like, that, that work isn't just about working, but also about being with your, like, your workers, your, your, right. the people that you're with, the people that are at your same level and, like, and cooperating with them. And, and um, that's, that's another, like, little bit of a social change that, like, I mean, I don't know about everybody, but I've had friends that are just so work oriented and just all, like only it's all they talk about and it's all they like really want to do all the time. And I'm kind of like, like, like what, like, do you have any like hobbies? Is there anything else you want to like <laughs> do other than go to like your nine to five every day? And like, not that there's, I don't have anything wrong with it for sure, but like, I just feel like you're living a better existence if you're, if you're willing to put work to the side once in a while. And I think, I mean, I'm not the only person to ever say that. Oh no! But, uh, That's I just was thinking about how many other cultures around the world look at us as Americans and go, "Well, you, all you do is celebrate how hard it's a forty-hour work week, and now you're bragging about working sixty hours and how tired you are. Why did you work those extra twenty? Yeah. You didn't have to." Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the things that, like, and I think it was around the time I was writing this, since I started writing this when I just got a job. I used to work in fast food. Um, but I just got a job at the library when I started writing this and it was kind of like I was like in a whole new culture and like it was a lot more like sitting down and writing not really as uh, it was, I mean it's still pretty service oriented but like mm -hmm. um, I, I was like in a new experience I was wanting to explore this idea of like what a less intense uh, job play workplace was like which is kind of what I explored with this one um, but I remember the last day at my fast food job uh, we were celebrating, we being the managers, um, but we're like trying to kind of rope in the uh, other people. Uh, we're kind of <laughs> celebrating how they'd sold, they'd sold the most, like they broke some sort of record. They'd like broke some sort of money related record. And like, it just rubbed me the wrong way that like, like the, 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 the big, the big manager of our district, like came in with like cupcakes to be like, Hey, good job selling the most product for the same amount of times you've been doing and like yeah. it felt it felt weird to me to be like like oh cool like it's not like we're getting paid more you got us cupcakes yeah. <laughs> and it's not like and like were they even good ones or were they hard. like 
from Safeway. <laughs> well, they were they were not good ones. I, yeah, I think they were from City Market or something. Um, and the worst part was, I guess the manager at first didn't even think to bring anything until like our store manager was like, "Hey, you should like do something for them." And I'm like, "Yeah, I appreciate the the like attempt, but like I don't want to celebrate that. It feels it feels kind of <laughs> silly." And so to go from there to a workplace where it's more like, uh, especially at, um, I work for a public library now. Mm -hmm. Um, where I get to like literally sit down and help people with like life related things rather sure. than selling them some sort of product. Uh, that became very influential to me. I, I kind of was like, yeah, work isn't just, doesn't just need to be, I'm selling you something, you're giving me money. It's, it's also like, like having like a care and like a human connection with people. Right. And a lot of people like don't realize that, especially if they're like, and honestly, fast food jobs are just so easy to come by that I don't think a lot of people realize how um, it's like troublesome it could be to be stuck in those kinds of positions where the product you're selling is so important. Right. It's that. Yeah. 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 Supply and demand. It's an over or an over, over demand for a supply that's there. But because it's so easy and readily come to it so hard to make those connections or to not be frustrated or as the employee not be angry that the demands of customers are so fickle and childish, I think, most yeah. of the time. Yeah, exactly. So question then is, is uh, Jason's journey from, I think he says, early on in the show that he was working at a fast food place and he slipped somebody a CV and then it's got there. Is that, is that mirroring your journey into the library? Is that how that came uh, about? <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess a little bit. <laughs> I, I kind of take uh, Jason and Alex. I like to kind of, um, I think are both kind of aspects of myself. Um, I don't think I've ever been like really any extreme of either of them. Uh, but I definitely like, I wanted to kind of like split myself in half and make those two characters. Um, out of out of those ideas uh but yeah so kind of that like idea that once you move up from one position to another that you see is like better mm -hmm. like you want to just keep climbing and that's kind of what i was getting at with that and that's kind of what i was trying to get away from uh when i moved into um moved away from fast food so sure. yeah it, it's definitely inspired by that though for sure so one of the things thank you one of the things i want to to take a moment and celebrate one that really draws me to this play um is is how you've written your dialogue it's so it so naturally flows in a work setting that i do not work in uh, i am very hands-on blue collar let's get dirty you know do the you know and not at a desk or a water i don't think i've ever worked a job where we had a water cooler so <laughs> um but how snappy the dialogue flows between especially these two characters and i love the awkwardness uh, right there at the beginning. Hey, J Dog, uh, as as Alex is just so smooth and comfortable at the water cooler, and Jason is like you were saying, so focused on. Well, here's work. Here's this. Here's this. Well, what about these reports? Hey, man, we don't talk about reports. At the water cooler. Just calm down. Oh, I'm just going to ask you over there. Great. Then ask me over there. But we're at the water cooler now, and then we introduce Angelina, who comes in, and is somewhere in between the two, where she doesn't want to talk about work but knows that that's the way in mm -hmm. um, and the relationship and how that makes twists the relationship I just wanted to make sure that I celebrated with you how much I appreciate how, the way the dialogue flows and how smooth and entertaining it is to listen to these two characters 
and something even more about that. I think Jason is very clear to me. Angelina is very clear to me. Chuck is his own wild card, and he's very much designed to be that way. Like, oh, okay. Absolutely. What I find myself most engaged with, strangely enough, is Alex and wondering what Alex is like when he's at his desk or his cubicle. Do you have any insight into that? Have you thought about that at all? Is uh, yeah, I think I tried to. Um, I definitely tried to play with that uh, side of Alex once uh, he gets to the point with uh, where he's worried about Angelina trying to kill Jason. Um, he he starts to like kind of be like, I gotta separate myself from this water cooler situation and <laughs> focus on my work. Um, when that's when Jason is pulling back heavy to get him to help him out. Uh, that uh, I think it had to be informed a little bit by like, yeah, what is what it, like. Alex has a job. He works there. He's not, he's not just the coolest guy there. Like he has to do his work. Um, and so I, I was trying to inform it. I definitely had the idea that like, he was just a pretty like average worker when he's not like chilling, like just like doing his stuff, not really keeping his head down. Probably one of those guys that like looks around the cubicle and is giving like finger guns and stuff like that kind of thing <laughs> um, to people across the way. Like, but like also he, he like he does his work and I think that's um, that's definitely informed a bit by like just like I how I think people should be able to understand that there's a bit of a ritual um, in your workplace where sure. like there are places where you can be like pretty focused and places where you could be uh, I, I make the joke about the antithesis of the water cooler being the printer um, where like that's where people go to like where they have where it's work strictly work versus the water cooler <laughs> which is no work. And like, and everywhere else is like an in-between um, in that regard. And I think that's what something Alex recognizes that like, it's, it's not too serious when you, even when you're at your desk. Thank you. It was just one of those things that just absolutely humors me because he's, he's clearly there. He hasn't been fired for anything. So he's no, we know he's not at the water cooler all day long. And right, there's, exactly. that, there's that wonderful moment where he's like, no, no, man, my phone's ringing. I got to go. No, you have to help me. No, I got work to do. We got like this wonderful pulling of the strings from other ends from him. And so I was just like, what is he like at his desk? I wonder. <laughs> wonderful. Uh, if we had more time, it would have been something I'd asked Scotty who plays Alex. And they're like, tell me a little bit about him. What you, because Scotty is wonderful, wonderful human being and would rattle off all kinds of information about the toys that are on this guy's desk, what he's doing while he's over there. Just, oh yeah, for sure. Was just, like I said, I wanted to thank you for that because it's not often that as a director, I should probably do it more, but I look at it and go, what are they like not in the dialogue? Where are they someplace else? That actor study of things. So I think my last question for you, unless we get fired off into some other direction as, as is wont to do, uh, do you, as the playwright of this play, have a favorite line of the show? And if it is, if you do, what is it? Um... Yeah, I, I definitely think my favorite line is going to be Alex's response to Jason when he says, I literally need to rent to pay, uh, pay rent to live, um, would be uh, Alex says, well, you need to talk to people and have friends too. And like, I mean, that's the thesis of the play is this idea that like, you, you, like living isn't just paying rent, making money. Like, mm -hmm. of course, it's important. You got to eat. You got you to gotta have somewhere to live. Um, but like, I feel like, if you're if you're not socializing then you're like that like especially for me i mean anecdotally i have been like i mean in the past like year like just being separated from people 
uh, is extremely depressing and yeah. it's, it makes it more difficult. And like, I think I've especially realized like how important it is to socialize and talk to people. Um, and like, it, it could be more harmful if you're not, if you're not doing that. Um, plus it, plus it makes life more fun. And yeah. I think Alex realizes that. And, um, and I, that's part of where I think that line is, um, it's so resonant with me and it's, it really is like the thesis of the whole play. Um, it's just, how, how do we get Jason to learn that really? <laughs> Well, I think to me, that's so funny because I, one of my favorite lines is moments later and that, that's what you do when you go out, like go out for drinks. Yeah. That's what friends do. Right. Right. We're not, we're not friends. We're, and it's that have a friendship, make these connections. We're not friends. Nope. You're right. We're not friends. And that's weird. Okay. We could be man, I guess, but you have this weird efficiency thing at work. So whatever, let's right, we'll figure exactly. it out. It's just so fun to me. And even, uh, and I hope that we have taken this in a way, in a direction that you appreciate. Um, and, and it's uh, at the end of the show when Jason and Alex are like, that's, you did this for me? Oh, oh. <laughs> and just the way that uh, uh, Mason, Mason with an M plays the character of Jason with a J and letting that become suddenly this weird not satirical but overly emotional moment where jason finally lets like okay business work 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 and emotion finally breaks in and i'm just so happy and i don't know what to do and then alex immediately goes well well pump the brakes man you're still weird (laughs) 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 great we've made we went from baby steps we're taking full strides just go walk in another direction you're still weird (laughs) yeah yeah um, I mean, I, I, I definitely didn't want to be like a little unrealistic, like, <laughs> <laughs> like as nice as it would be to be able to make friends with somebody in a day, like it doesn't really usually go that way. <laughs> well, cool. Again, thank you so much for visiting with us, Colin. Is there any questions that I can answer for you or, or, uh, anything that you would like uh, to share with us? Where can we, I guess, let me start there. What question, is there anything I can answer for you? Anything that as we've been talking like, oh, I wanna ask him about this or anything along those lines? Uh, not really, I, uh, I think I have a lot of, I really like a lot of the work you're doing and um, I've looked at like your website and I've listened to some of those podcasts and it's just so, it's so good. It's really nice that someone's out there doing stuff like this for sure. Well, thank you. That's uh, good to hear. It makes my heart happy to go to hear that the celebration of other people's work and the celebration of new plays, especially when I, I see your dialogue and I hear the dialogue and I read a script and go, oh, this is how this world comes to life this way. I cannot, I struggle to write that and I'm horrible with dialogue. So to be able to celebrate somebody else's new work in those ways is, is huge to me. I think my last question for you, where can we find you as we come? Uh, hopefully we, we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel from, from the COVID pandemic. What are you doing out there that we should be watching that are the listener base, myself, the, the performers that we're working with should be watching for you, your friends, family, anything that you have coming up, websites, podcasts, musical and uh, endeavors, anything along those lines we should be looking for you at? Um, well, you can uh, definitely find me under my website, which is just Colin My Hood. Uh, I try to, I added an I in there. It's my middle initial. And I think that separates me really well from the other Colin Hoods out there. Um, so I'm colinihood.com. That's my website. And then I'm also Colin I Hood on New Play Exchange. Um, and you'll probably find me on, under a lot of different um, social media platforms like that. 
Uh, I'm also in a improv troupe uh, mm -hmm. called Oddly Appropriate, based out of Grand Junction over here. It's like a little college improv troupe. It's, it's a good time. <laughs> we do uh, live shows um, that we uh, that we live stream as well on YouTube. Um, so definitely, if you're interested in improv, you can look me up on there. Uh, otherwise, uh, I'm hoping to submit some more plays in some other places. I've, all, I've always put out my feelers to uh, get anywhere and get something produced because uh, that's what I love to do. <laughs> Excellent. So that's Colin I Hood, uh, com. You said correct. Make sure I have mm -hmm. that right. Um, also, Colin I Hood at New Play Exchange, which for any of you out there that are looking for new materials, new works, new playwrights, uh, is a fantastic organization. That's actually how I discovered Colin. Um, there's a small fee to pay, but you get access to a gajillion plays that you can isolate down by region, by character, by number of characters. So it's, it's fantastic. Thank you for reminding me to give them a plug because that's how we connected. Yeah. Um, and, and the improv group, one more time, oddly. Oddly appropriate. Appropriate. Well, cool. Thank you so much, Colin. Um, hopefully as we, we begin to release the, the episodes for your play, because we're actually recording this interview about a week before the first, uh, a couple of days before the first episode is supposed to drop. Hopefully as you listen to this, you're not like, oh gosh, take my name off of this. You've absolutely butchered everything <laughs> we've done. <laughs> I highly doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool, my friend. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Thanks, you too. Thank you for joining us for Water Cooler Talk by Colin Eidhood, featuring the voice talents of Mason Quinn, Scotty Schaefer, Emma Maxfield, and Nathaniel Quinn. Also featuring sound design by Kyle Harper and original music by Emma Maxfield. If you have been enjoying our content and are as passionate about creating and celebrating new work as we are, please head over to www.patreon.com forward slash Wolverine Reads and consider becoming a patron. By becoming a patron, you have allowed us to continue to create and improve our craft. And from all of us at Wolverine Theatrics, thank you for listening, liking, and sharing.